Amen, 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 amen. I'll just keep saying that. Uh, man, uh, if you missed last week, you just, you just missed out. I don't, I, don't, I don't have a better way to put it. Uh, you, just, you just missed out. We, um, we were talking about, you know, we're walking through these habits of grace, and we said, you know, hey, there's a deficiency um, in the church today, and there's a deficiency in our church, and we, we identified that deficiency was prayer. And we've been talking about prayer for a while, but specifically we talked about praying as a church. And, and I, I don't know what to say other than as we, we kind of openly confessed that before God, he met with us and um, broke some hearts, and we had people praying together, and it was just, it was awesome. Um, if you were in the 11 o'clock service, we didn't get out of church till I don't, I don't know, it was late, 12.35. I mean, we were, those poor children's church people back there, they, I mean, people were praying uh, together. And so you have a week like that, and you kind of think, man, like, do it again, Lord. What, what, do we, what do we have to do to make that happen? And uh, so, so I, there's not a lot we can do to recreate, and, and that's not going to be the goal. But I'm going to say this to you. If we have a deficiency as a church praying together, then we definitely have a deficiency with a habit we're going to talk about this week. Because this week we're going to talk about fasting. We're going to talk about fasting. Uh, we've got a women's group that just read the C.S. Lewis book, Mere Christianity. It is one of my favorite books to read, just uh, about life, theology, just different things. And Lewis in his book uh, has a whole section where he's talking about Christian morals, Right? And we think about Christian morality, oftentimes our thoughts in America, we, we turn to sexual morality and we begin to think about that. And, and he has one section about that. And, and specifically, he uses an analogy that I think plays into our topic on fasting. And so uh, what he says is something's got to be wrong. Something's got to be wrong. Because right? he says God has an ethic when it comes to sexual standards, that, that sex is meant for marriage, that it's, it's good, um, it's pleasing, but it's got to be in that covenant. And then there's the appetite for it. Right? And he says, so either uh, God's ethic is wrong or our appetite is just completely out of control. When you look at our world again, he says, well, God's ethic isn't wrong. It's got to be our appetite, right? And he says, so imagine if you could, if you went to a foreign country and you went to the foreign country and, and, and you walked into a theater and the theater was full of people and a man walked out onto the stage holding a plate with a cover on it and when he slowly lifted the lid, all the oohs and ahs came out from the crowd as you got to see some crispy bacon on the plate, right? He said, you would think that country was crazy. Something about their appetite for food had gone mad. Yet that's, you know, how the world is in regards to sex. But I would tell you, what C.S. Lewis was using as an analogy, as fiction, I, I believe is actually ac accurate in our world today with food, right? I mean, just think about our television sets for a second. We've got the Food Network, we have the Cooking Channel, we have the Travel Channel. Uh, Bravo has uh, cooking shows. I think it's Top Chef that's on that one. Uh, ABC now has the Chew. Every morning show has people eating and drinking. Uh, we are a people that are obsessed with food. And I'll tell you what we're obsessed with actually more than food, although food is, is where it shows up. We are obsessed with satisfying our hunger. What I'm going to present to you this morning is I believe that desire to satisfy our hunger may be one of the things that is quenching our hunger for God. Okay? So, join me in a word of prayer, if you don't mind. And... Uh, Let's ask the Holy Spirit to meet with us. Father, um, we love you, we adore you, we worship you, and we're thankful for you meeting with us. 
Holy Spirit, um, we recognize that you are the teacher of this church. And we invite you now to come and take your place before us in our midst with us. And we, we ask that you would stir our hearts and our affections towards God. We pray that you would give us a desire to hear the word of the Lord this morning and to hear clearly. <clears throat> we pray that you would teach, and as you do, that you would exalt King Jesus. And Jesus Christ, as you're lifted up, we pray that you would draw us closer to your heart and transform us into your likeness, that we might be the light of the world that you call us to be. We love you. It's in your name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Um, I want to do the same thing I did with you last week, which is we're going to open by just walking through Scripture, okay? Um, We're going to set the table, if you will, as we talk about fasting. And so open your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 4. We're going to be all kind of throughout the book of Matthew. Uh, So we're going to be in Matthew 4, Matthew 6, then we'll go to Philippians 3. Later we'll be back in Matthew 9. I apologize. Uh, But Bibles are helpful if you're using your phone, that's fine too. I'm in Matthew chapter 4, and I'm just going to read to you. I'm going to read to you the first couple of verses, if you don't mind. Matthew chapter 4. Starting in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now flip over to Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 16. I'll read 16 through 18. It says, Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay? Now, look at the very next verse. If your Bible's like mine, there's a break there. Like somehow these things don't have to do with one another. But they do. All right, so look at the very next verse. So it's talking about fasting, and then immediately says this in verse 19. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, right? Okay, it's not about the stuff down here. So it's it's talking about fasting. Jesus is speaking about fasting, and he says, oh, by the way, when I talk about fasting, I need you to know that life is not about what you see down here. Okay? So those things go together. That's not separate teaching, It's the same text. All right? Now, turn over to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. I'm going to read all the way through verse 20. The Apostle Paul writes, Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect. That's a good statement right there. But I make every effort to take hold of it, because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this 
also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now I say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Look at this, verse 19. Their end is destruction, their God is their stomach. They glory, their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. The gist, what Paul is saying is, don't forget, we're called to be different, right? We are called to be different. Now, now the people of the world says, are ruled by their passions and their desires. It literally says that their God is their stomach. That's the things that you, you seek after, the things that you're hungry for, your, your passions and life. So that's how you describe the people of the world. Their God is their stomach. They're ruled by their passions. But says that you were called by Christ to be different. And your God can't be your stomach because Jesus is your God. And you've got to live for him. Instead of earthly stuff down here, right? Verse 20 says it, well, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we hunger, we long not just for something else, but we actually long for someone else. Our savior, Jesus Christ, who will return. And so, uh, with those things in mind, kind of with that table set Walking from Matthew 4 that Jesus fasted, from Matthew 6 that Jesus told us to fast, Philippians 3 that Paul says our citizenship is in heaven. We're not to be like the people here of earth whose God is their stomach. With all of those verses in mind, I want to now talk to you about fasting, okay? All right? Three things. Number one, you may not know this one, all right? This is kind of basic foundational stuff. Fasting is intended to be part of our Christian walk. Fasting is intended to be part of our Christian walk. Its basic confession uh, is that we should be doing this. We should be fasting. Now, that statement sounds crazy to some of you. Some of you have been in church almost your entire life, and, and the truth is you could count maybe on one hand the number of times you've heard a sermon on fasting. How many of you that qualifies? That's you, right? Been in church almost your whole life. You've really never heard a sermon. Now, it would surprise you then to know that fasting, the word fasting, is in Scripture as many times as the word baptism. that shock you a little bit? The word fasting is in the Bible as many times as the word baptism, yet we don't ever talk about it. <coughs> Maybe that God is our stomach kind of thing, right? That is shocking, it astounds me, but it's true. We as followers of Christ are supposed to practice the habit of fasting. Now somebody says, well, pastor, how do you know that? Well, I know that because Jesus said so, right? Jesus actually said that he expected us to fast. Look at the language, Matthew six sixteen. He says, whenever you fast, right? He's not, he didn't say if, that's not the word in Greek. He says when, whenever you fast. Then again in verse 17, but when you fast, by the way, I put the emphasis in these, okay? Don't be mad at me, I just wanted you to see them. But when you fast, put oil on your head and, and, and wash your face. Then, then Matthew 9, uh, Jesus said to them, can, can the wedding guests be sad while the groom is with them? The, the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them. That's the season we're now in. Jesus has been taken away from us. And get this, then 
they will what? They'll fast. When I'm gone, they're going to fast. When I'm no longer present with them, they're going to long for my return. Right? When I come back, Jesus says in other places, we're going to feast. Right? Upon his return, there's the great wedding bank. There's the feast with the king. But until he returns, we wait expectantly. And as we wait expectantly, we pray fervently for that return. And part of that praying fervently involves fasting. We're fasting as we await the feast, the banquet of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when he returns. Okay? Till then, Jesus says they're going to remember, they're going to live for that glorious day, they're going to, they're going to fast, all right? But Jesus didn't just expect it, okay? He also modeled it. I want to turn back to Matthew chapter 4 again. Matthew chapter 4, and uh, we're going to read verse 1 through 4 together. Matthew 4, uh, 1 through 4. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and he said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Verse 2, he fasted for 40 days. Now what does that mean? When the Bible says Jesus fasted, what does that mean? Well, technically, uh, when the Bible uses the word fast, technically, uh, the, the term actually always applies to food, technically. Okay? There is a, a case in, uh, when Paul writes, he actually speaks of, of fasting from sex. Um, he calls it a, a season of prayer as a family. Like, so, so, you know, again, our, our passions, our mode, there, there may be a season of prayer, but technically the word fast always has to do with food. And, and specifically it has to do with food. I'm, I'm going to say this to you, you you're going to notice this is important because some of you are going to try to apply this this week. You need to know it doesn't include water. Okay, there, there's only two fasts in the Bible that we call supernatural fasts where it literally says that they didn't have any water either, food or water. And unless God shows up on a mountain and calls out to you and says, Randy, come up on this mountain, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to sustain uh, you with food and water and we're going to hang out for 40 days while I tell you how to uh, transform the rest of your life and the lives of people. Like unless that happens supernaturally, you need to drink water or juice when you fast. I'm just telling you this now, okay? Some of you, before you fast, you need to speak with a medical professional because you have, you, have, you have issues and things. We'll talk about that. There are other ways that you can fast if you just can't do that physically. But specifically, when the Bible talks about fasting, technically it always has to do with food. And so it's either eliminating all food or certain foods for a period of time so that you can focus on God through prayer, worship, or the study of His Word. Meditating, Right? So it's important, we, we point out, you, you need water. And you say, how, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, I know because when Satan shows up, he doesn't tempt Jesus with water. Right? Evidently, Jesus had been drinking water. He tempts him with food. He says, man, if you're the son of man, why don't you turn these stones into bread? <clears throat> okay? So if you're going to practice this this week, I'm going to make sure that you drink water. So I, I just, I just want to start here that this is, it's expected... It's modeled by Jesus, and it is intended to be part of our Christian wall. Um, some of us need to just spend some time this week praying over that. Uh, it's very unfamiliar for us. It, it's not something we've really spent a lot of time thinking about. Again, though, the word appears as many times in the Bible as baptism. It's kind of a big deal. It's something we're supposed to be doing, okay? Uh, two, now let's get to the heart of, of why. 
Okay? Fasting is about reminding us of our need for God and replacing our earthly desires with heavenly ones. Okay? That's two really big, important thoughts all in this one point. Okay? Fasting is about reminding us of our need for God. God, I need you. We sang, Lord, I need you last week, right? That, that's, fasting is to help us remember, gosh, we need the Lord. But it's also to help us replace those earthly desires, the things our stomach wants, with the desires of God. So it's about reminding and it's about replacing. Um, again, I'm, I'm in Matthew 4, uh, 1 through 4, right? And I want you to, to notice Christ's response. So, so when tempted, he's been fasting for 40 days, and, and Satan shows up, the tempter approaches him, says, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answers him in verse 4, right? It's on the screen. It is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay? Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In, in other words, right? Uh, man needs God more than food. Man needs God more than food. He's like, bread will help you with the um, lowercase l-i-f-e thing, okay? But for the uppercase, the capital l-i-f-e, the abundant l-i-f-e, the overflowing l-i-f-e, the walking in the spirit l-i-f-e, the, the thing that God promises to people not just in heaven but actually here on earth that we forget that we, we have as citizens of, of, of God's kingdom, as children of God, the real abundant overflowing life where no matter what comes our way like Paul, we, we, we may be shipwrecked, we, we may be marooned, we may be in fear for our life, but I've got Christ and that's enough that kind of capital L-I-F-E, to have that, you've got to have God. You've got to have God. And what Jesus is saying is that kind of life, the God-empowered, God-filled, God-inspired, God-directed, God-led kind of life, so that is actually more important than what you put in your stomach. It's more important than the kind of car you drive. It's more important than your 401k. It's more important than anything else in the world. I wonder if Satan stood before you, what would he tell you to turn the stones into? Turn these stones into another $750,000 in your 401k so you can make it to your 85, living comfortably. Hmm. <laughs> Turn these stones. Michael's holding up his phone. <laughs> Turn these stones into a personal computer that you can have in your hand at all times. You can always be connected. You can always ask, Google, what does that mean? Why does that work? Alexa, play something for me. Right. I just wonder. What, what, and, and the point of the passage, of course, is right? Guys, that, that's ridiculous. That's stuff of the world. That stuff doesn't matter. What matters is, is God, right? John 15, 5, Jesus says it this way. He says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Because you can do nothing without me. You can do nothing without me. I have a question for you. What does that mean? What does it mean that we can do nothing without Jesus, Right? 
We tell you, like, like, the whole reason we fast is to remind us of our need for God. Jesus says, like, like, if you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. But what does that mean that you can do nothing? Does that mean that without Jesus, I can't think or, 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 or breathe or reason? I, I can't get up and make decisions? Well, on, on some level, theologically, I would tell you yes, because Jesus made everything that we see and don't see. He made you, he formed you, he fashioned you. Your mother's womb. And, and according to Colossians, he holds you together. If he were to withdraw his hand of blessing, you'd die. Okay? So theologically, yes. But in another sense, let's be honest, we do all kinds of things without Jesus, don't we? We make decisions every day. Some of them, huge decisions, without even consulting the Lord. Right? I'm going to take out this mortgage. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go buy this new car. I'm going to, I'm going to move here. I'm going to do... Like, we constantly make decisions. We disobey God. Right? We know what his word says, and we, we, we choose willingly and say, God, I actually know a little better than you. I mean, I know you're like God of the universe, but I'm kind of God of my life. I've got this. So we walk in disobedience, right? All of that, that's, that's literally saying, God, God, I don't need you. God, God I've, I've got this. God, I, I have this. And, and so, so does this verse mean that we can literally do nothing that we can't ever decide on our own? That can't be, because we do that constantly. Let me tell you what it means. When Jesus says, you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It means that without Jesus, we, uh, without Jesus, we can't do anything eternal. We can't do anything of true significance. We can't do anything truly exceptional. See, without Jesus, no matter how hard we work with our hands, whatever we produce will fade away. Wow. Just think of, the, think, think, think of the power behind that truth. Without Christ, all of my energy and effort and time, all of the work of my life will turn to dust and will fade away. Only the things that I do in Christ will remain. Wow. What does that say to you? Maybe we should stop and sing, Lord, I need you right now. That's what it says to me. Lord, I need you. Lord, I have bought into a lie. Lord, Lord, I am looking in places for significance. I'm, I'm finding pride and a sense of self-worth in, in what I produce on my own. Like, when I mow my yard, I feel good. Good job, you mowed your yard. It's going to turn to dust, man. Right? I got a new car. It's got Bluetooth and leather seats and recliner. You know what? It's got seat warmers. You live in Texas. You need them 10 days. So cool. I'm so excited. Dust. New house. Dust. Right? Only the things that I do, controlled by the Spirit of God, walking in the spirit of Jesus, only those things will remain. I need God. That's one of the things fasting reminds us of, right? It reminds us of our need for the Father, right? It reminds us, Paul says in Philippians 3, not to focus on earthly things, not to let our stomachs be our God. And listen, that is a reminder. That's one of the reasons we fast from food, right? Because there is no greater reminder than your belly telling you, ah, feed me. 
And you're reminded, right? So the way that it works, right? You, you fast. You say, like, Lord, I, I, I want to I I relearn how bad I need you in my life. And so you begin to fast. And so, so, so you wake up and, and you drink some water and you're not eating. And you go back. At some point, um, usually, uh, depending on how early you eat, some point by 9 or 10, your stomach hates you. It hates you because you know you don't eat before you don't eat after eight o'clock, right? So, so I mean, you you've done now, gone twelve hours, and you fooled it for a while because you didn't get out of bed. But once you got out of bed and you started working, your somebody's like, oh, "I hate you." It's going to call out for some. Give me something sugary. Give me some carbs. Come on, give me something. And you're like, "Nope." And so what happens when your stomach growls, it reminds you. And, and when it growls and it, you're hungry, it reminds you, wait a second, I'm, I'm not eating because I'm fasting. I'm fasting because, Lord, the way that my stomach feels right now, my body is crying out for food. That's the way my spirit should feel right now. God, I should be longing for you. Help me get there again. You understand? See what we're, we're going? It, it's a reminder, okay? But not only is it a reminder, by the way, that's biblical. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Fasting reminds us that we need God, but it also helps us replace our earthly desires with heavenly ones. Instead of focusing on the, focusing on the things of earth like food, we intentionally spend time focusing on God and prayer. Um, I like to think of it as an exchange. And that's really the simplest form to think of it. Like, what is fasting? It's an exchange. I'm exchanging food for prayer, meditation, worship. Okay, it's an exchange. And so every time that, that I do that, you say, well, why is that important? Well, Romans 12.2 says this. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is good, the pleasing and perfect will of God. Colossians 3, um, 1 through 2 says this. It says, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things below. That's basically what Paul said in Philippians. So instead of being led by the God of our stomachs, by, instead of focusing on, on food, on things below, we're going to elevate our minds to things above. And we're going to think heavenly thoughts, and we're going to think about God. All right? God's desires instead of what our flesh craves and wants. All right? Okay. Third thing. We're almost done. Anybody hungry? I'm just saying. Like, it's the way it works, right? Number three, fasting has spiritual and physical benefits. Fasting has spiritual and physical benefits. Listen, fasting must always have and must always be done with a spiritual purpose. Otherwise, it's just a diet. Let me say that again. Fasting must always be done with a spiritual purpose. Otherwise, it's just a diet. It's just an act of discipline. Um, Fasting has become very popular in some diet cultures especially the keto diet. They talk about intermittent fasting and the benefits. And there are great benefits to intermittent fasting that scientists are finding out. But hear me, if you're not doing it for spiritual purposes, then you're just dieting. We're not talking about dieting. Okay? It's not that we couldn't use that, right? Not that, again, we'll talk about physical benefits in a little bit, but primarily we're fasting for spiritual purposes, okay? The Bible gives several um, reasons for fasting, um, that, 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 uh, several ways it may help. Um, it seems to strengthen prayer. Uh, all throughout the Bible, there are men and women that get serious about praying about something, and it, it's a big enough concern that they decide, you know what, I'm not just going to pray for a couple of minutes today, but I'm going to fast 
I'm, I'm going to cause myself to think about this issue and to take it to the throne of God over and over and over again until I feel like God is going to show up and answer my prayers. Okay? So it, 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 it's a way to strengthen our prayers, to make us pray more often. Um, John Calvin said this. Uh, it's a pretty good quote. I think I have it up there for you. Um, Whenever men are to pray to God concerning any great matter, it would be expedient to appoint fasting along with prayer. It's like, it's just, it just, it's going gonna, it's gonna to speed things up, fellas. I, I, it's just the way that it works. It's, it's that being desperate for God kind of thing. Uh, throughout the Bible, we find men and women that, that fast for guidance. It's kind of a big one, right? Maybe you're at a point in your life, you're like, Lord, trying to figure some things out. Maybe this is something you should implement. Um, we, we find people uh, do it as a way to express grief, especially grief over their own sin. Maybe you messed up. And, and you didn't just mess up, but you messed up the same way that you've been messing up for the last 20 years. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and here's the problem with that. We go through seasons when we uh, are doing the same sin over and over and over. We go through seasons where we're broken, and then we just get kind of numb to it. And if you're here today, and you're struggling with the same old sin, and maybe through the Holy Spirit's power, you're convicted of that this morning... What you need to do is you need to repent of it, but, but maybe you need to fast until God gives you a heart to break that sin in your life, to break those chains, okay? Remember, some only come out through prayer. Talked about that last week. That's what Jesus, some only come out through prayer. Maybe that's what God's calling you to. Uh, humility. You struggle with pride. Pride is the greatest sin of all the Bible, Okay? And so, again, what does fasting do? It, it shows me I need, right? I mean, you, you try to fast, you will figure out how bad you need God pretty quickly. Because like I said, by, by 10.30, you're like, ooh. Um, you get past the lunch hour, you get into about that 1.30, 2 o'clock time, you're going, oh, man. And you've got to stop for gas over at that shell station with that little taqueria there, truck, and it's just all the, come on, man. It's going to happen. You're gonna, you're, it's going to remind, man, Lord, I need you so bad. I need you, right? Uh, worship, intimacy with God helps us overcome temptation. There's great spiritual benefits. Uh, in addition to the spiritual benefits, we're now finding out there are, uh, fasting has physical benefits too, okay? Of course, it helps with weight loss when you don't eat. Um, that's, that's, that's part of it, right? But doctors are finding out that fasting um, helps reduce inflammation, that's stopping that eating pattern of eating three times a day, um, stopping that your brain uh, ha- starts to reset your body. It helps um, flush out some things that cause inflammation. It can, it can decrease your blood sugar. It can help with heart disease. My favorite, my favorite is that they're finding out that fasting is really good for your brain. Really good for your brain. Um, in fact, uh, anybody ever struggle with, um, I call it like the little foggy brain syndrome at any part of the day? Anybody ever... Right? You get the foggy, the fuzzy brain, and you're trying to... Um, so when we fast, our mind does something like naturally. Um, when you don't have food, your mind begins to uh, get sharper because if you were like out in the wilderness and you had no food, you would have to really focus on getting something to eat so you wouldn't die. Right? You guys, so it's just a natural... God put this within us. It's just sharp 
focused kind of thing. And so when we go without food, for we have this clarity of mind. The cool thing is you don't have to spend all... Now, your natural inclination is, but what am I going to eat? i got to find something. Like, God put this in me. i got to find food. Um, you can actually spend all that focus and energy, though, in other areas. And so while you're fasting, you can take that clarity of mind and put it to your task for the week, right? Again, um, we got to make sure we're, we're putting that towards prayer, asking for guidance and wisdom, those kind of things. But it really does help you in other areas. Um, They're also finding out that fasting can help increase the um, proteins in your brain, which which help fight off dementia and Alzheimer's. Isn't that crazy? It's just just some health benefits to this thing. Okay, so it's pretty cool that God expects us to do something that's actually good for us. So let's talk about how we do it and give you some application. Um, Number one, I want to encourage you just to start small. Start small. Okay, so if, if you're going to take this, and, and we, we believe uh, that we're a church that applies things. We don't just talk about things here, uh, but that's part of it. Go do something. That's part of our kind of mission is to put things into practice. So start small. I would encourage you one meal a week to start with, okay? Start small. So pick one meal a week and, and, and pick a day a week. Um, one of the things we want to think about, guys, is other people in our life, Okay? So if you have like a, a, a breakfast meeting with guys on Wednesday morning, and, and remember we're supposed to be doing this in secret, like Wednesday morning probably wouldn't be the morning to say I'm going to fast from breakfast because you're going to show up with all your guys and they're going to look at you, what are you doing? Then what are you going to do? Well, either you're going to come out and be like, well, I'm fasting and I just ruined it, or, or I'm, I'm going to lie to them, which is every bit as bad, uh, right? And so, so we... You know, just, just be aware of those things. So, so, so people that are out of the home all day, right? And your family, that's one of the few times you have together at night is to eat a dinner together. I wouldn't encourage you to fast from dinner, uh, that, that, right? I mean, I mean, think about, well, I can do this at the office. I can, I can skip breakfast. I can skip lunch. I can come home and still spend time with my family, right? And, and we can talk about you, Lord, and we can talk about what you've done. So I want to encourage you, start small somewhere. Um, remember, it, 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 primarily it's always food, but if you have health issues and for some reason it cannot be food, um, it could be maybe certain foods that you avoid, okay? And, and that's okay. Remember, Daniel uh, fasted in prison. He ate vegetables and water, remember? He just ate vegetables and water, and, and he and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they looked better than everybody else that was eating all the food that the king provided. And so um, just want to encourage you, so, so it can be that... If for some reason it cannot be food for you at all, uh, think of other things that have a place of prominence in your life, like your phone, right? Like, like, like uh, TV. I mean, whatever it is that really has taken that place. So, so if it cannot be food, then do one of those. But I really want to challenge you. Food is really the best reminder. Um, men, if you can't do food and you can't think of anything else that's a good reminder, then, then tell your wife, we've got to do that season of prayer thing, honey. And uh, boy, that'll be a good reminder for you. Um, It'd be a good reminder to pray, I'll tell you. So, so uh, start small. Two, have a plan. Okay, have a plan. So write this question down. What is my positive pursuit? What is my positive pursuit? Why am I doing this? Okay? I'll be real honest with you. This next week, as we, we enter this, you know what would be great to fast for? Okay? Uh, our youth are going to camp. I've seen youth in churches completely change the culture of a church because they get passionate and hungry for God. I've seen it. 
So, so maybe, maybe you miss a few meals this week, and as you do, you're on your face before the Lord, begging that he intercedes in the lives of these kids, and he grabs their heart, and he shakes them, like we talked about last week. He shakes them up, and he shakes up their priorities, and they come home on fire, and their parents and their church receive it and don't ex- extinguish it, right? Maybe that's your prayer this week as you fast, right? Maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe you fast for the church as a whole, right? As we're going through this time of transition and we're figuring out, Lord, what do you have for us? We know what you're calling us to be. We know we're supposed to be a church for this community, church that reaches the new families that are coming in. Lord, how do we go about this? And you just begin, join us in prayer, right? You fast. Maybe it's for your marriage. Maybe it's, it's for your kids. Um, but know what you're going to spend the time doing. So it's not just that I'm not eating. When I'm not eating and when, I'm, when I should be eating, I'm spending that time doing Praying to God about these things, okay? So that's important. You've got to have a plan. If you don't have a plan, again, it's just a diet. Lastly, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you with this. Ready? Fight to focus, okay? Spiritual ADD going to kick in, and you're gonna, your mind's going to want to wander. Uh, it may be helpful to have a list of why you're fasting and the things you're praying for. It may be helpful, okay? And every time you get that reminder, and hear me, it's hard. Some of you are not used to praying that much. I, and I, I say that in love, I mean, but, but we're used to praying little two-minute prayers. And when your stomach starts growling, it doesn't stop after two minutes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it's great. And, and so you think, well, how long would I take a lunch break? Oh, my gosh, I'd take an hour lunch break. Am I supposed to pray for an entire hour? Yeah. You're supposed to substitute. Okay, well, you know, some of that, Pastor, I'm driving to go get it. Okay, whatever, be technical, I don't care. I really eat it all in five minutes, and then I... Whatever, just you and the Lord, okay? I don't need to know all the details. Spend that time in prayer, going before the Lord, seeking his face, and just see what he does, okay? All right, guys, join me in a word of prayer real quick. Father, thank you for loving us. Um, Thank you for meeting with us this morning. Uh, Lord, there are many burdens that we have here uh, this morning. There are lots of things that we should be praying about, maybe we haven't been praying about. And so this morning, what I'm going to ask specifically uh, for number two on our list in application, this morning I want you to give clarity to every person in this room about what they should be praying about. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's something they've been struggling with for just a long, long time. Maybe they're called to be intercessors for our church or for our youth. I don't know. God, you know. So I pray before we walk out the doors and, you know, check church off our list this week, that you would show us exactly what we need to be praying for. Please, God, that's that your holy, powerful, and precious name. Amen. So we're going to do something a little different. Elizabeth, I'm going to ask you to come up here. Miss Deborah, I'm going to ask you to come up here. It's okay. Y'all going to stand. Y'all going to look out that way. Jeff, I'm going to ask you to come up here. Uh, Bob, will you come up here? Paul, won't you come up here? Be good. Let's see, who else am I going to pick on? Mm-hmm. Joanne, are you feeling good enough to come up here? I have ladies on this side. I'm going to have guys on this side. Um, we said last week we weren't going to be normal anymore. Just done being normal. I mean, what we, we call normal. We're going to pray. We're going to be a church that prays together. 
And I know you guys, I know you guys, some of you are storing up stuff and you just need to pray with somebody about it. And so um, these are your intercessors this morning. (laughs) They're just here to pray with you. And this is our invitation. This is our altar call. And so um, we're going to ask you, you can bow your heads where you are and and, and you can just just talk to the Lord for a second. But I want you to come and pray with somebody. Just come, take somebody's hand and say, hey, would you pray with me about my marriage? Would you pray with me about the church? Would you pray with me because I can't figure out what I'm supposed to be fasting about? Whatever. But I just, I want you to use these people that love you. And, and guys, I want you to know we have a church full of intercessors. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to start doing it. And it may be uncomfortable, and that's fine. Let's get uncomfortable. Okay? We're going to pray for one another like the Bible says we're supposed to pray for one another. Okay? So Holy Spirit, move us. Work in us. Anybody here that needs prayer right now, Anybody here that needs prayer about anything, God, give them the courage to come to a brother or a sister that is not going to judge them, but is just going to love them and pray with them. And you just move and work right now, Holy Spirit. We give you this time of invitation. Move in our midst, please, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And you guys don't wait. You just come and grab one of these. Uh, Ladies, come pray with ladies. Guys, come pray with guys. We're just going to ask you to come and do that now. All right?